Boo. You think I'm a good girl? Just wait and see. We're bad girls. This is what we do. I'm the girl that's gonna save your life. Eh, you shot pretty well. For a boy. Can't you handle a woman with a big gun? I put the fun in funeral. I like my men covered in blood. Hail to the queen, baby. I can, and I will. I can, and I will. I'll take a bite out of you. Beware the signs. Happy Halloween! <laughs> and happy birthday to me. Why everything gotta be about you? I know. I'm sorry. It's fine. But happy birthday. Happy birthday, Anne. <laughs> uh, welcome to our third and final part of the shinning. Uh, from here on out, there are spoilers. Shit's gone baddie. Uh, if you are in any way haven't somehow seen The Shining or know about this or know we're discussing the miniseries, uh, I don't know where the fuck you've been for the last two days. <laughs> uh, so we're going to discuss the ending of both of them, um, the fuckery, <laughs> and the eventual death and kablooies. <laughs> and um, all the fun in between. So let's let's go through the Kubrick one because the Kubrick one might take us like thirty minutes. The Shining one's gonna take us a a wee bit longer. <laughs> uh, so you get in the Kubrick one, Jack starts to kind of lose it. Mm-hmm. Then he gets the scene with uh, Lloyd. They oh, switch it. Yeah. They switch it from Grady to Lloyd. Yeah, yeah. I'm not quite sure why. Um, but we get him finally meeting Lloyd, and uh, interesting enough, in both versions, he drinks Jack Daniels. Mm-hmm. Jack, Jack likes Jack. Jack. <laughs> I, I I was very proud of when I thought that up, and I thought it was witty, but it's fine. I don't need to say it. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> Again, sorry, not sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um... But at this point, uh, Danny has seen uh, the Grady twins, which is not in the book or in the miniseries. Never happens. But it's fine. It's fucking terrifying. <laughs> yes, it's fine. yes, it is. Yeah, it's pretty awful. It's fine. Um, and Come and play with us, Danny. Come play with us forever and ever. Of course, knowing now what you said that the kid who played Danny wasn't aware that shot of him looking absolutely terrified makes me wonder what they told him <laughs> he was looking at. I don't know. It's, I have no idea. It's very fascinating to me. I have no clue. I'm, I'm curious. Um, and, and Jack Nicholson goes, uh, Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Yep. Jack Nicholson turned up to 11. Um, Holleran shows up, uh, and is very quickly dispatched. Which is, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We'll get into that later. And he has an axe. Holleran? No, Jack. Oh, that's right. He has an axe. He has an axe. Which then leads to the iconic scene, here's Johnny. Which was improv. Ah! No, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, here's first. Oh. Uh, the, the, the breaking down the door and here's Johnny was completely improv by Jack Nicholson. I think I remember reading that. Yeah. 
I think Ashy's got a, a have, fact. Yep, I do. I have a freaky fact. Okay, we are three minutes in. This might be a new record for an Ashy <laughs> slashing fact. Freaky facts. So, my freaky fact is, according to Shelley Duvall, the Here's Johnny scene took three days to film and used 60 doors. Wow. The props department built a door that was easily to, that could easily be broken down. But Nicholson had worked as a volunteer fire marshal and had tore through it, or and had tore, had broken it too easily. So they had to build a stronger door. It took them 60 doors to figure that out, though. Uh, there, there's also the famous thing of uh, Shelley Duvall's, all of her scenes in the last half, there was a minimum of 50 takes mm-hmm. for all of Shelley Duvall's scenes at the end. All of her screaming... All the stuff. Uh, Shelley Duvall actually took almost a five-year break. She is, to this day, still dealing with the effects of this movie. Yeah, because Kubrick would get in her face and scream at her. I believe the, the stairway scene where he's coming at her and she's got the baseball bat, I believe it was more than 100 takes. I know the scene where Jack takes down Hollerand uh-huh. with the axe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack Nicholson eventually went, because the man who played Hollerand mm-hmm. was in his 70s. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, Kubrick had them do about 50 takes, and Jack Nicholson actually went up and was like, I will do this one more time. Yeah. Because, like, the entire, ca- as, as uncomfortable as they got with Shelley Duvall, mm-hmm. like, they were scared that he was going to have a heart attack and Ugh, die. Jesus. Because you have to imagine, it's a 70-year-old man acting like he's getting hit with an axe and falling to the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Over and over well, and over. I mean, even Shelley Duvall like, suffered from a lot of stuff. She suffered from nervous exhaustion and, um, like, and hair loss and stuff, so she also suffered, like, a lot of Physical attributes, yeah. physical yeah. attributes from family. They yeah. said that during that stairway scene when she was crying, "Please, Jack, please, Jack." They were saying at that point, no one was sure if she was actually acting or not. And I think that that's something as, as good and as classic as like, um, the the blood coming out of the elevator and stuff like that. Um, the the ending of The Shining is iconic. It's beautiful. We'll we'll discuss the very end of it in a second. Uh, but I feel like knowing how much I know now, it's so hard to watch it. It is. Yeah. It's very hard to watch it. Because you know what Kubrick did to them. Yeah. To the point where Jack Nicholson uh, inherits a lot of his like late onset alcoholism to this film. Oh, I Because he know started that. drinking yeah. on set to oh. deal with shit. I did not know that. My God. Well, I mean, things make sense now. Well, if you look at a lot of early Nicholson stuff, uh, one that flew over the cuckoo's nest, mm-hmm. stuff like that, he plays stuff a lot straighter, mm-hmm. um, where afterwards he, he does more kind of, of absurd characters um, and was kind of known to kind of be a drunkard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people, uh, not so much him, because he does really respect Kubrick a lot for what the film is. And you, you have to. Yeah. Because uh, the film is so visceral 
And it will always be in every top 20 list of horror films. Yes. Because it's, it's iconic, it's beautiful, mm-hmm. and it's... There, there is something to be said about Kubrick's films, like Kronos, Suspiria, stuff like that. They're great, and they're they're beautiful, uh, but it's it goes into this idea of what crosses the line from art to terror. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like Kubrick understands that's a line. <laughs> he was very... I, I, I'm having a little bit of trouble finding the word. It's it's hard to narrow it down to just one word. He's his stuff is he crosses that line and he was he prided himself on crossing that line. Well he he idolized people like Van Gogh and Mozart and people that weren't sane. Yeah. To be honest. People who didn't quite follow the status quo, yes. Well, um, I was going to say, kind of just, he wasn't, that wasn't, he wasn't only like that to Shelley and the actor that plays, uh, Holland. Holland. Uh, he was also like that to Jack. Oh, yeah. Because, uh, freaky fact, to get Jack into the right agitated mood, he'd only been fed cheese sandwiches, which he despises, on set. For two weeks. He was only allowed to eat cheese sandwiches. Oh my god. I'd be pissed off too. Yeah. It, it's shit like that. It's fucking shit like that where you're like, okay, Kubrick, I get I get you want to like do something great, but like... You're torturing your actors. You're, you're torturing your actors. Yeah. Where there's one thing about the fact that you like you hear about uh, Spielberg in Jaws. Because mm-hmm. Bruce was notorious for breaking. Yeah. And it, it would bother the cast and stuff like that. And, like, uh, Spielberg would order milkshakes for the cast. And he would do stuff. And you, you get this camaraderie in a cast. And, like, I've been on films where the makeup doesn't work. This doesn't work. Nails are taking longer. Costumes. Lighting. The love of God and seduction. I, I that fucking fog machine. Because we got a fog machine for it, and we didn't realize when the fog machine went off, it went. Oh my god! <laughs> so we couldn't actually have fog in shots. We had to hit the fog machine, kill it, and shoot. Mm-hmm. Got it. Which is very fucking frustrating. Yeah. Uh, but we 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 got through it. We got through it lovingly. You know, Alex Shote is will be my vampire victim lover forever. <laughs> Oh, Lilio. <laughs> uh, it, it was great, but uh, the idea of, of working with somebody who is intent as making you as a person emotionally break, yeah, yeah. Is, is is pretty fucking disturbing. Yes, and that really is the beef. It's what's for dinner. Mm-hmm. With yeah, Emily and Stanley Kubrick. I I a few years back they had a, a Kubrick exhibit at L.A. County Museum of Art. And it was very interesting to go into because at that point I had never seen a Stanley Kubrick film in my life. Really? So going into that and seeing exhibits on, you know, Clockwork Orange and, you know, 2001 Space Odyssey and The Shining, Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, this is all very artistic and very beautiful. And kind of I had an idea of him as just this very risque director. And then I saw The Shining, and I saw Clockwork Orange, 
And I saw other, you know, a few of his other movies, and I was like, oh, oh. And the more I read about him, I was like, oh, no. Well, I realized I, I misspoke earlier because I, I mentioned Suspiria, which is actually Dario Argenta. Um, and Dario Argenta made films very, very similar. Dario Argenta made Kronos, uh, Suspiria, and quite a few other films. Uh, and, and his films, I feel like, visually are very easily to confuse with Kubrick. Well, they probably might have worked off each other. A uh, bit. a little bit. Dario Argento was an Italian, yeah, uh, a film uh, director. Uh, but uh, Dario Argento created very, very similar, like visually stunning films. Uh, but he was very caring for his actors. Yeah, and he made sure, um, like, if I would suggest this film to anyone's on the podcast, uh, I haven't seen the new one because I'm scared. Uh, but the original 70s Suspiria is really about a uh, woman who goes to a ballet school mm -hmm. that is then controlled by witches. That is on my list. And yeah, it, it's, it's beautiful and it's horrifying. Like You want to talk about some scary witches, Ash? But I, I've, I've never heard a bad thing uh, about Argento from an actor. Uh, where uh, oh, Malcolm McDowell uh, has said he... He feels very uncomfortable now watching Clockwork Orange. Well, he was... This This was also a man that did Caligula. Uh, yeah. I've seen Caligula. I, I still have very confused feelings about Caligula because it's incest. But it's 80s Malcolm McDowell. And it's also straight up porn. It's 80s Malcolm McDowell. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it does kind of seem like almost every Stanley Kubrick movie, the actors kind of come out of it a little unnerved. And I, I, I don't feel like that's a bad thing. I feel like um, there are films where actors should come out of it feeling very different. But I feel like uh, in, in the modern age, we're learning more about that. I mean, let's look at Heath Ledger's Joker. Yes. Mm -hmm. we're, we're learning that there are places that actors can go but should be cared for uh josh does it occasionally and he has a good friend uh rachel flesher who does it who's an intimacy coordinator mm -hmm. and what intimacy intimacy coordinators they've kind of been created in the last about five years uh but what they do is they handle sex rape um violence stuff like that and what they do is they, they foster safe practices between the actors. And it, it's almost like kind of being a therapist for these actors that uh, you think about plays, you think about, uh, there's there's a whole other place Josh did one. Um, I think it's The Merchant of Versailles, uh, where Josh had to uh, aggressively sexualize somebody. Mm-hmm. In the play, it's a Shakespeare play. Merchant and of Venice. Merchant of Venice, thank you. I'm like, can you remember? It's like Merchant of Versailles. I know. Like, I was like, what is this play? And then you Merchant of Versailles, Merchant of Venice. Well, no, because then you mentioned Shakespeare, and I was like, oh, yeah. Merchant of Venice. Yeah. Merchant of Venice, where uh, he would have to go backstage with the girl that he had the scene with, and they would have to check in on each other mm. and make sure they were both okay. They would hug, they would, you know, almost very similar to like BDSM aftercare. Mm hmm. Well, you know, that's a very healthy thing. 
But you think about how, and especially horror or stuff like dealing with being the Joker, you, you kind of need that. Yeah. Yes. Like, if you're talking about, I'm turning into a serial killer, and it's not like I'm Freddy Krueger or Michael Myers or this, yeah. but I'm a man who's trying to take an axe to his wife. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe having someone on set to, like, talk this person down afterwards and be like, this is a role you're playing, this isn't you. Yeah, which seems to be the very opposite of what Kubrick was doing. When no, he, he wanted them at 11, yeah. 24-7. And yeah. there was no coming down. It's like, you'll come down when the movie is in theaters. Yeah, like, and that's yeah. it. I was going to say, another freaky fact um, was that Jack, at the time, lived with Angelica Houston. Oh, I did yeah. not know that. And she... That's would, some roomies. Yeah. And uh, she mentioned that he would literally come home from filming, walk, not even, like, say hello. He would just, like, walk like a fucking zombie all the way to the bedroom and just, fall, like, hit the bed and fall, like, straight asleep. Yeah, he, he would have been so physically and emotionally exhausted. Yeah, oh, I imagine so. Um, but I feel like that that's something that we're now aware of and we're now coping with yeah. in a healthy way. Um, it's sad it's taken, like, people's suicides and deaths. Yeah. Yeah. Due to stuff like that. Like, you look at, like, you know, the whole, like, in WWE and in football, we now have stuff about concussions. Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of it, especially in WWE, came from Chris Benoit, who was a very famous wrestler who um, sadly killed himself, but also killed his wife and young son. Oh, dear. Um, But he would take unprotected chair shots. He would not report concussions, and when uh, they did an autopsy of him, his brain resembled that of an 80-year-old Alzheimer's patient. Oh, my God. Sadly, the the really big kind of sad thing is uh, if he hadn't had killed his wife and young son, uh, he could have been made the poster child for, like, what concussions can do to people. Right. But because he was so far gone, WWE has kind of tried to uh, scrub their ranks of him. Uh, But you kind of have to look at the emotional wounds of almost like getting a concussion. Mm -hmm. Like, you look at this stuff, like, uh, people that become abusive... Nobody wakes up one day and is like, yeah, I'm just going to go punch my wife. It's their no. parents do that. Okay, what if, what if for a year you're in a role where you're playing an abusive asshole with somebody who's making you feel like an abusive asshole yeah. 24-7 for six months? Your and mind, then it's done. Yeah, your yeah. mind doesn't just bounce back from that. Yeah, like how do you how do you deal with that? And you talk about the fact that... Shelley Duvall legitimately bought a cabin in the middle of Minnesota and hid. Yeah. For years. I mean, have you seen photos of her recently? She's stunning! Is she? Yeah! Girl actually put on weight and looks beautiful! Oh, okay. I was... I guess I must have looked at an interview with her from a few years ago because she looked very bad. Uh, No, I've seen her recently and she actually is like... Well, also, they didn't... They fed her, they fed everyone on that cast so little because they wanted her to look gaunt. Yeah. 
Well, again, going back to Stanley Kubrick wanting Wendy to be submissive. Victimized. Victimized. Having her look like a meek, weak little mouse. Yeah. Which I find so interesting because how how do you get that out of Wendy? It's not how you get that out of Wendy. It's what he did Wendy to be. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. Are you looking at photos of Shelley Duvall? Yeah. It's more of... That that says more about Kubrick than it does about Wendy as the character. Do you find a recent photo of her? Yeah. Show it to her. I'm curious what her yeah. reaction will be. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. She looks a little... She looks older, but, yeah. like, she looks healthy. Yeah, she looks yeah. like she's doing a little bit better. But... Well, she know, also she... is just a, a naturally high cheekbone gaunt person. This is very true. Yeah, so now that she's kind of put on weight, she looks a little... Yeah. Saggy, but... Well, she's which, also, like, in her 60s, 70s. Yeah. I mean, granted, Shelley Duvall wasn't completely ruined by The Shining. It took her a few years. It took her a few years. She did end up continuing her acting. I remember as a kid, she had her... her fairy Tales. Fairy Tales, mm-hmm. yeah. which was... I loved that show. Me too. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, people came back from it, but you, you have to accept the fact that, like... Also, if you just look at... The one thing that always kind of confuses me about Kubrick is just how how that ending came to be. Yes, of just where did he get that? So the ending of the Kubrick one is uh, Jack chases J- Danny out into a hedge maze that exists. Freaky fact about the hedge maze. Oh, so actually you can hedge maze explain. Thank you, mm-hmm. Gus. Please. <laughs> Uh, the reason for the hedge maze was because the effects at the time were not up to par to make the hedge animals, the topiary animals. You know, I had a theory that that might have been it. Because in order to make them... kill them? Out there. Well, in order to make them, like, do the whole, like, I'm moving. Moving, yeah. And, like, every once in a while it blinks or gets angry or grows claws or whatever. Kubrick didn't feel like it would look believable or like it would do uh-huh. anything because the effects at the time were just not there not there yet then you would probably need to get that effect you would need several different giant hedges like hedge yeah. animals yeah. which costs a lot of money yeah so that's why they made the hedge veins okay so they had they're like we need something hedgy let's make a hedge maze and where the fuck's jack and i i don't know we haven't discussed the boiler this entire film I put him in the hedge maze. So they basically did the exact opposite. Instead of dying in a fiery death, he, he freezes. Yeah, I can, yeah. I can get, I can get a little bit along with that. I guess. I mean, it still doesn't make any sense to me. But you know, like okay, Cooper, you're asking Cooper to make sense to you for sure. Stan, mm-hmm. have fun. Um, I, I did like the fact that at the end, uh, Danny outsmarts him, mm-hmm. which yes. he does also do in the book. This is very true. He kind of outsmarts his own dad. Um, and in the movie in the Maze, it's one of my favorite lines is, I remember what you've forgotten. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which is, I, I feel like is, I, I've always wanted to use that against somebody. <laughs> like, I, as like a bitch comment, be like, yeah. I remember what you've forgotten. <laughs> what I love about that line is that not only is he talking to his father, he's talking to the hotel. Yeah. Yeah. And that I love because it's so much deeper when you realize 
that the hotel and his father are now basically one thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I he he knows he's also talking to his. It depends. We'll yeah. we'll, we'll get into that one in a bit. Yeah. Cause, cause that that's moment, a lot. Anyway. Yeah. Because that seems a lot to com- comprehend because that seems also very different in the book. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because brutality. <laughs> Animality. <laughs> toxic masculinity. Now, that seems not toxic masculinity, actually. Well, it leads up to... I don't even know. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> um, but so the very end of The Shining leads with uh, hollering... Dead via axe. The Kubrick shining. Kubrick. Jack frozen to death. And I will admit that one of the creepiest shots. People always reference in the Kubrick movie like the the elevator or the mm. twins. But I always gotta go like Jack Nicholson just fucking frozen oh, there smiling. eyes looking up. And, oh, yeah. It's, it's just terrifying. Okay, so... The first time I saw that, I was flipping channels at 3 o'clock in the morning in my house, and I hit the very end of The Shining, mm. and it goes, and it shows that. And I was like, I felt my body go cold, and I was like, I need to go to bed. <laughs> and I went, and I went and I listened to some happy music, and I was yeah. just like, oh, so, God. So the first time I saw The Shining, I was 15 years old, mm-hmm. and I was watching it with like one of my first boyfriends, and we had gotten up. To about the midway point. Uh, mm-hmm. Right about the time where Jack and Lloyd meet. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had to go home. So I was like, okay, bye. I read The Shining. I'm going to finish it. And my parents were like, you need to go to bed. And of course, I don't fucking listen. Mm-hmm. So it was one of those TVs you could plug headphones into. Oh. So I snuck back into the room, plugged in my headphones, and I finished The Shining alone uh-uh. at 15 in a dark room. Nope. Nope. Not a good idea. Uh-uh. <laughs> and my parents woke up at about 6 a.m. I was in the living room with all of the lights on. Because I finished the movie. And my parents used to have our house at like 65 degrees. Oh, jeez. They were, they were those people that liked their house fucking frozen. Uh, I still say this day, it's the reason why I love the heat. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I tried to go to bed, and every creek, I had a two story house, action, it was this, the wind blows up and down my street. I live on a super narrow, mm-hmm. super hilly street. Santa Ana winds come just rushing down it, and I got so scared of everything involving it that I put on the lights in the kitchen grabbed a steak knife and sat with my back to the wall probably for about two and a half hours oh my god (laughs) I was so terrified because I'd seen horror before but I think that was the first psychological horror that I'd ever seen Mm -hmm. and uh as, as much as I can bitch on Kubrick for what he did, what he said, uh, that's that's saying something. I can't think of many horror films that have ever... I mean, I recently watched the Poughkeepsie tapes, which neither one of you two ever, ever, ever watch. I don't think I will. No, don't. It's about a serial killer that's done very realistically. Oh, Jesus. I found it very interesting and kept commentating on it. 
Well, I would probably watch it with somebody, but I'll not by myself. No, at, at a certain point, I thought Stefan and Josh were going to go to bed together and lock the door on me. Oh, lovely. Because they were both like, oh, okay, if you watch this, like, we're here for you. Like, we'll talk to you afterwards. And I'm just watching the whole film like, this is so interesting. It's so cool how he, like, gets the victims to come to his house before he rips off their limbs. And they're both just looking at me like, okay. <laughs> Steph is looking at Josh. You chose to marry her. I'm just dating this. <laughs> I have an out, buddy. <laughs> You've legally fucked yourself. <laughs> um, but there is something to say about the Kubrick version of that. It, it has... Very fucking little to do with The Shining that I will say, like, the book The Shining is probably my favorite Stephen King novel. Um, but it's a good horror film, but I feel like there's an... It's its own thing. But I feel like there's an issue when you have to detach so hard from the original content. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I think I have to kind of agree with that, just because, like, if it was, if this was a standalone film, had nothing to do with the, 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 the Stephen the book King. Shining never existed. Yeah, the book Shining never existed, then sure, I could probably enjoy this film. Yeah. Um, there were parts of it where I was just like, okay, why am I watching this? This is boring. And then it would kind of pick up, and I'm like, oh, cool, like, it's, I'm, I'm yeah. into it now. But... Yeah, like, I feel like as a standalone film, without the book being a thing, this would be a great horror film. Yeah. But you you have to separate it. Yeah, it, it can't be with the Shining miniseries and the book. It, it just, it doesn't. Where it's, it's kind of um, that way about, like, The Joker, the film that just came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I actually disagreed with a lot of people. They said, like, you don't need to have it be a Joker film. You could have just made this film. And I'm like, no, I like the fact that it's the Joker. Um, But I can understand people being like, I would like this film maybe more if it wasn't connected with something. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like that that is an issue of people taking something and cherry picking stuff they like. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. And then creating something different. Yeah. Where I feel like... Kubrick could have made a film about, like, a hotel and an abusive family and not had it been The Shining. Mm -hmm. He could have named it something different, and then in the credits it could say, based off Stephen King's The Shining. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, And I feel like that that might have helped me. Because I feel like when you're like, it's The Shining, and you're like, It's like the idea of The Shining. Like he's got he's got the motivation, but he's he's going the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. There there's certain films like that. Like every single video game film ever. Oh my god. Uh, mine is Dead or Alive, and I don't know why that film holds a special special D rated place in my heart. Mm-hmm. You know what? It's I was so ridiculous. I was talking to Connor about you know Kubrick's The Shining and how he just basically. Took the book, flipped through it, was like, I like that, and then just, like, kind of... Well, he did know, 2001 Space Odyssey. Yeah. It was a book Mm -hmm. first. But Connor brought up Starship Troopers, and he was like, that's kind of how I feel about Starship Troopers, is like... 
Okay, for a second, I thought you were saying Kubrick directed no, Starship no, 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 Troopers. No, 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 no. And I was like, I don't feel like that's true. And also, if so, I'm deeply confused on who Stanley Kubrick is. If he went from The Shining did Star- not direct <laughs> Starship Troopers. But no, that's how Connor feels about Starship Troopers, because he read the book. Okay. And the book is very much nothing like the movie. The movie, Blood and Chocolate, still has me angry. Yep. It's terrible. Don't. Have you ever read the book? If you ever loved the book? Yeah, I'll don't. totally read the book. The books the are book's amazing. Great. The book yeah. is one of the best young adult like love stories, like coming yeah. into your own power. It's great. Uh, the book took there are werewolves. Mm-hmm. These characters have names. And that's it. Yeah. Okay. And the title. Yeah. In, in the original one they live in, it's like Denver and their teenagers and uh, I believe they're in Venice and they're all adults uh, okay you lost me yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> Just, it, so did I so did I I came into the movie it's my movie it's my okay on to the shining back to the shining I'm sorry Ella had to have at least one mm-hmm. tangent in this at least it wasn't my like 20 minute tangent valid on our Sleepy Hollow episode where I just went off and Ash just kind of got grabbed by the arm. I was like, no, nope, we're going down this trail. What was, the, I sent you a meme the other day of like. Oh, it's, it's when your best friend decides to go on an adventure and you're just here for the snacks. Yeah. It's like, where are we going? Okay. Will there be snacks? Okay, I'll go. Yeah. And I was just like, oh God, this is so us. <laughs> are you going to feed me? Okay. I guess I'll come over. We're taking over what country? Do they have snacks? <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is how I get ashy into most things. Um, the, the good thing I will say about the Kubrick ending is I do enjoy Wendy's transition. Yes. Yes. In the miniseries, like, by the end of it, you expect Wendy to fight. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, yeah, bitch, grab that weapon, grab that... Go fight, but like when Wendy finally hits Jack, it, it's almost a like stand up and cheer moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the way he looks at her, like you just hit me. He, he's completely in shock, and she yeah. just hits him again and hits him again and hits him again. Yeah. Um, and as as much as they they victimize her and they uh, absolutely castrate her as a person, mm-hmm. uh, her. Her turn at the end is just so motherfucking satisfying. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. And if Kubrick was going for that, hooray for you, man, but I don't know. I don't know if he was. I don't I know. Was either. But either way, I'm going to pretend he is because he's made a lot of good films. Give so him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. I'm going to give him the benefit of a doubt that Kubrick isn't a complete misogynist. I don't know enough about Kubrick, sadly. Feel like a show, uh, but that 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 transition, and that's the thing is, as fucked up as it is, Shelley Duvall get got to get all of that rage. Where like this, apparently after she finished that scene, like she got like a steak dinner. Nice. When she finished the scene, she got like a big ass dinner, <laughs> which I'm like, 
that's a little fucked up to like reward your actors with after like I know I, I after I said nice I was thinking about it I'm like what is she a dog like what the fuck Kubrick to Kubrick none of us are people uh, but uh, it, it is interesting to see how how far he pushed her not just in terror but in her reaction mm-hmm. to protecting Danny in those very last scenes where he's pretty much like fugue stated. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she got to get all of that rage out and you, it's visceral, yes. I feel like. It was a building resentment that you see just come to a head. And it's, as you said, it's incredibly satisfying to watch. Yeah. And, I mean, I wish it was a little bit more remembered when you think about the movie The Shining of Shelley Duvall's just turnaround in that. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people forget that Wendy fights back. Yeah. They immediately go from Jack going crazy to Wendy and Danny escaping. Yeah. And I think it's it's a shame because it is You forget that, like, he, he, he hits her. Yeah. Hard and a lot. And she gets the fuck back up to defend her son. Mm-hmm. Which is saying motherfucking something. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So we've gone through the Kubrick film. We've had our shit fest. Talk about the good things of Kubrick. Let's go on to what we really fucking want to talk about. The miniseries! Yes! You can just hear all the difference of tone in our voice. <laughs> Seriously. We're like, Kubrick. <sighs> we suddenly just have so much more energy talking about the miniseries. <laughs> this totally isn't the fact that we just ran outside to jumping jacks. Yes. Totally not. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Don't question us. We're tired. We got this. <laughs> it's for it's for you listeners. This is our Halloween gift of exhaustion. Because we love you. <laughs> Tonight we dine in the overlook. That's a bad idea. It's terrible. Lots of salt. Okay. And I don't get to drink Jack Daniels. No. Mm-hmm. Maybe some corpse stew. <laughs> I think that's just called the bathtub. Yeah, it's the bathtub. Okay, this is making me want to do like a pop-up <laughs> restaurant <laughs> based on the, the Shining called the Overlook. Something has to be like a dessert in the shape of a croquet mallet. Okay, yeah, I'll work on that. Okay, so um, we talked about the uh, the Kubrick version. Let's go to the Shining. So last time we left off, um. Holleran had just shown up. Holleran, no, Holleran is coming. That's right. Holleran is coming. Holleran is coming. Uh, Jack is starting to lose it. He's right about to take his first drink. Yep. And Danny's starting to kind of go off the deep end. So let's discuss Holleran. So Holleran shows up and Ella gets deeply, deeply, deeply uncomfortable. Because Holleran shows up. And the hotel doesn't want him there. Specifically, the fucking topiary animals. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that's the shot where you see the topiary animals actually try to kill Dick. Yep. And that is a scene I always forget. And then suddenly my husband has a shaking wife in his lap, like clawing at him like a cat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um... While, uh, while Holleran is showing up and getting attacked by Nightmare Fuel, uh, Jack has completely got off the deep end. Yep. Uh, Ghost Grady, unlike Lloyd, <laughs> has shown up to tell him he's always been the caretaker of the hotel. Mm-hmm. 
And that wife and kid of yours are no good. You gotta take care of them. And they're, he's their favorite caretaker. Their favorite caretaker. And of course, Horace thinks he's very special. Mm-hmm. Have this Jack Daniels. Jack, keep drinking. Join the party. And he goes into this room and it's a full fucking New Year's Eve party. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, Wendy's kind of realizing what the fuck the hotel is. Yes. Yeah. Danny's not really talking. Uh, she's running around the hotel being like, you're all a bunch of spooks and stop fucking fucking with me. She is a single white female in the best way possible at this point. She <laughs> is she is handling her shit. She did not trip once. No. Nope. No, no trippage. No trippage. Good um, on her. Good for her. And uh, we, we then get our Stephen King cameo mm, as the conductor of the band. Mm-hmm. And it's just this party, and uh, you get to see Horace, you get to see the dog mask Mm -hmm. that's Chase Danny uh, back into the room, which is fucking terrifying. Mm -hmm. That dog mask. I don't know who the fuck designed it, but... Yeah, that was a terrifying mask. Also, whoever designed that mask definitely did not do the fucking ballroom scene. The ballroom scene, just as a makeup artist, somebody get a motherfucking blending brush up in there. Yeah. Those yeah. are some hard-ass motherfucking lines. Yeah, I think perhaps they were thinking, okay, this is a TV movie, we don't need to try. Try! Blend! Blend, yeah. motherfuckers! <laughs> blend! I, I definitely agree with you on there. It looked like stage makeup. Yeah. Very much so. Which which can be taken in a style of the idea of this party supposedly happening in the 1920s. Mm-hmm. Also, the amount of racist costumes. Actually, I gotta, yeah. I gotta argue. It, uh, it seemed more 1940s. Okay, maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. 1940s. Yeah. Uh, but the amount of, like, Indian headdresses and harem girls in yes. that scene, I was like... Yeah. You got the chic of Araby going on. Yeah, I was like, oh, oh, this is racist. This is incredibly <laughs> racist. Yeah, uh, among all of the other uncomfortable things about that party. <laughs> Uh, Horace's uh, girlfriend, wife, trying to fuck Jack. Hmm. And, of course, the dog man and all of those shenanigans. And should you listen to uh, last yesterday's episode, I keep wanting to say last week's. I'm just like, we only do weekly oh, episodes. It was yesterday's. Yesterday. It feels like a week ago. <laughs> uh, he, he is Horace's bi bitch. Fuck boy. Fuck boy. Yeah, say it's fuck his fuck boy. His fuck boy in all forms of fuckery. The scene where he goes after Danny in the hallway might be even as bad as the topiary animals are. That might be the most terrifying. Mm-hmm. Where he's like, "I'm gonna eat you, little boy. I'm gonna fucking eat you." You're like, like oh, "Okay, my God. okay, okay, okay." Run away. Didn't need that. I just peed myself. Yeah. <laughs> The couch is wet. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> I spilled the drink on myself. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, it was definitely uh, fear-inducing. Uh, my favorite thing about that fucking scene is there's a great shot where Jack's dancing, and then it goes to the actual room. Yeah, he's dancing with... Um, Horace's wife. Girlfriend. Girlfriend, it's, it's wife. It's never 
lady his, love. His, his lady love. In the book, it's it's described as like his his mistress. Okay. <clears throat> where they weren't together, but like she was seen everywhere. Got but it. She wasn't quite up to the caliber of being a wife. Got it. Um. So yeah, she's he's seen dancing with Horace's mistress. And then it does this lovely cut to reality. Yeah. And he's just dancing by himself. In in this dimly lit... This dimly lit... Dreary looking room. Yeah. And and he's not really even dancing. He's kind of stumbling in circles. Yeah. Yeah. But he's like... He has that like, I'm holding a hand and I'm holding a body like up against me. But he's literally just stumbling around on the floor. And it, it's just so terrible. Like, God damn it, Steven Weber. Holy fuck. Yeah. Like, how can I love you and hate you so much? Yeah. It really is. It, it speaks to his, his skill because he's generally a comedic actor. He's done some dramatic, but to see a comedic actor do something that is scary and so complicated Mm -hmm. and so complicated is that's unnerving in and of itself and i think that was a really good choice when they casted him was that he could do that and yeah i just it it definitely unnerved me watching that yeah and uh you you get a little bit before that jack's uh wendy at this point is aware that the hotel is is fucked Mm mm-hmm because she's finding confetti and underwear and shit where there's no fucking right to be. Mm-hmm. And she is, she is gone into, like, Ellen Ripley. <laughs> straight up, like, bad bitch Sarah Connor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to handle this shit. And uh, my, my, one, my one complaint of this is as she's kind of gotten Danny to slightly calm down. Mm-hmm. And she goes to find Jack. This entire film, she's been in sweaters and jeans and this and this. And as your husband is literally going insane, you choose the cashmere robe and nighty. Especially since she was wearing like like pajamas earlier. Yeah. yeah. She randomly chooses slut outfit. That is so random. You know, I don't know why I didn't quite catch that before. I don't know why, but. It- bugged the fuck out of me. I was like, uh, and she finds him and, uh, he starts to attack her and then starts to attack Danny. Mm -hmm. And he gets this moment where Danny's like, stop it, daddy. Stop it, daddy. Stop hurting mommy. And he breaks for a second. He gets himself back. Mm Mm-hmm. And Wendy smashes him over the fucking head with a Jack Daniel bottle. Very appropriate. And now it's into the pantry for Daddy. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> Daddy, go in the pantry now. <laughs> where you get the most cis white man reaction ever as he's oh, angrily eating crackers. Being like, why'd you put me in here? You're a bitch. Not even Fuck just you. that he's angrily eating saltine crackers. <laughs> Which is something kind of impressive to angrily eat saltine. Saltine crackers and peanut butter. How do you angrily eat those things? <laughs> Sorry. I feel like saltines suck all of the emotion. <laughs> 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 you're just 
just munching on them, and it's all just crumbs <laughs> You falling. all, like, can't see my face, but of course you can hear the... It was great. It was beautiful. Angry curmudgeon face. Nom, 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 nom. I'm so upset. You can't eat something that literally can be broken apart by two fingers angrily. <laughs> At least grab a carrot and, like, angry, like, I bugs mean, bunny it. I'm not gonna lie, during that scene, he's eating the saltine crackers. He definitely kind of looked like Cookie Monster, where he, like, just, like, <laughs> shoves crumbs. <laughs> I fucking hate you. You're a bitch. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. I mean, it's really hard to, like, be like, wow, this is really scary. <laughs> but yeah, well, no, when she's like, when she's like, she goes, Jack, are you okay? And he's just like, there's, like, saltine wrappers and every, like, peanut butter everywhere. And he's just like, yeah, looks at the door, <laughs> like, crumbs all over. I'm just like, oh, my God. Yeah. So, uh, after that point, Wendy goes, uh. Gets gets dressed like an actual person. <laughs> uh, and what's interesting is at this point, uh, this is the first time you, when he's locked in the pantry, it's the first time you ever hear him call her a bitch. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, I hate you. You're a bitch. I'm going to get you. Mm-hmm. Because even when, like, the whole thing was happening with the ball and with Horace and with Grady, there was some part of him that was still Jack. Yeah. And at this point, that's gone. Um, And as she's trying to do this, uh, Grady and the hotel let him out. Yep. Mm -hmm. And he gets a croquet mallet, a uh, Colorado croquet mallet. I think it's Denver. Denver. Denver Denver croquet. Yep. So it's slightly bigger. Yes. Um, And this is where you get the whole her running around, him running around, him hitting her repeatedly with the croquet mallet. He was going at her. Yeah. Those scenes are so hard to watch. Yeah. Um, And I don't feel like you ever get that in the Kubrick version because you don't care. Yeah. You never mm-hmm. feel love. Yeah. Yeah. But the idea is it's like Connor or Chris or Josh them hitting us with a croquet mallet. Yeah. That hard and yeah. that angry. You know, watching that series as a married woman now, it definitely made things a little more they put things into perspective mm-hmm. of like if Connor went at me like yeah. that. And I'm sure you probably, as you just said, like, you watched that and thought if Josh went at me like that, or if you were like, if Chris went yeah. at me. Yeah, but I think the scary thing is she's aware at this point that it's... It's not Josh. It's not him. Yeah. Yeah. So she's pleading to him in hopes some part... Will fight. Will we'll fight. Will yeah. come back. Yeah. And, and how hard that must be to feel... It's to be scared for your child, scared for you, and also I feel like in some ways scared for the man you love. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Because you're like, you would never do this. Yeah. You would never hit me. Like, it's shown the one time in the miniseries and in the book that he hurts Jack. He was drunk and he was angry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the last time he drinks. Yeah. yeah. So it's shown that, like, this one thing happened. It's never, ever alluded to that he's laid a hand, a finger on her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because she obviously shows that she doesn't fucking deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. She would have been out. She's like, I'm done. At this point, I think what 
the reason that she's afraid is because this is something that is not she's not prepared for. She's not. Ready it's not for. her husband. It's not yeah. her husband. And how do you deal with this thing? Exactly. You can't. Because you, she tries to hit him, but there's that scene where she's got the the uh, ball, mm-hmm. and she ends up like she hits him in the stomach. But you see her first kind of look like she's gonna go for the head, uh-huh. and she she can't. She can't get quite herself bring to do herself. it. Well, doesn't yeah. she actually throw it at him, and then he starts bleeding from the? Well, forehead. she hits him with it first, and then yeah. she throws it at him. But I don't That's think right. it was. She hits him in the stomach first. Yeah. But it does at one point look like she's going to hit him in the head mm-hmm. and then hits him something and just throws it at him. And it's, yeah. It hits him in the head. Yeah. But I don't think she could, looking into Jack's face. Yeah. Yeah, no. Hit him in the head. And, and knowingly know, I might kill you right now. Yeah. And that's, that's so fucking hard. Um, and then we get Holleran finally makes his way to the house. Um, which is just... So great. Uh, Danny kind of comes back at this point. He goes after Hollering with the fucking croquet mallet. He's going after Wendy with it. It's it's fucking brutal. Yeah. Um, and then you get to the end. And this is what I was saying earlier when we went outside and our jumping jacks. Mm-hmm. Um, so... At the in the mini series, Jack says the line. I remember what you've forgotten. You mean Danny? Danny, Danny says the line. sorry, yeah. Danny says it, and he runs down, and they have a chance to escape. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, Hollering brings up the little snow thingy truck. Yes, yeah. right. The... Oh. Go on. Freaky fact. Yeah. Did the guy at wherever he gets the snow? plow thing. Oh, from, like, the talents, like, right below it? Did he look familiar? Kind of. Sam Raimi. Fuck, that was Sam Raimi! Motherfucking fuck fuck! <laughs> That's a goddamn awesome. Evil, evil Dead. Dead. Crater oh. of Evil Dead. Yeah. Seen a Warrior Princess. Oh, that's right, that's right. Okay. Spider-Man. Took me a second. <laughs> I was thinking Harold Raimi, and I was like, no. <laughs> no, 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 that was not him. Yep, that was motherfucking Sam Raimi. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so now we get to the big, 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 big difference between the movie and the book. So in the movie, or the miniseries, uh, he goes and goes down and is pretty much Danny's shining to protect Jack. Mm -hmm. And he's fighting to not unscrew the boiler and let the boiler go. Mm Mm-hmm. And at the end, he dies to save his son. Right. So the book, he dies to save his son, but not that way. Okay. So in the book, um, he he does at one point hit Danny with a mallet. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it he breaks Danny's leg. Mm. And Jack comes back from it. And he realizes that he's been controlled. And he takes the croquet mallet to himself. Oh, yes, that's right. And he breaks his legs and starts smashing his face in. Oh, God. With the croquet mallet as a way to, like, disable... Everything. Himself as a vessel. Yeah. 
And it's it's so brutal the way it's written because he's yelling at Danny to run away. Mm. As Danny is just hearing the bones breaking. Oh, God. And hearing his dad's voice get more and more slurred as his dad is pounding this mallet into his face. Oh, yeah, God. It's, it's dark. It's very, very brutal. It's, it's, it's so hard to read. Because... But I think in a weird way, I, I kind of prefer this ending. Because as much of, like, Jack not turning the... The, um... Boiler. Boiler is powerful. There is something about the idea of a father willing to physically kill himself. To save his own son. To yeah. save his son. That you, you can't replace. Yeah. And then at that point, you actually, the hotel takes over his body completely. Mm. And that's where you get the line. I remember what you've forgotten. And then the body shambling runs down and can't turn it. Because Jack's broken Mm -hmm. his arms and his legs. Yeah. So he's disabled the hotel. But the idea is by the end of The Shining, Jack doesn't exist. He's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, like I said, it's it's beautiful and so much more horrifying. And yeah. very tragic. Yeah. And very tragic. Because I, I think that scene, especially the tragedy of it, is when Jack comes back for a short time before he, like, when you see him come back and he realizes everything and he starts telling Danny to run, mm-hmm. that it's, you know that he managed to fight it off. Yeah. I think Long enough. The, the line in the book is, run, daddy loves you. Yes. And that's the last thing he says. And that is just heartbreaking. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. And then he sees Wendy and he just smiles at Wendy and then takes the mallet to his face. Yeah. Oh, jeez. So, like, how how does anyone deal with that? Of, Of, in a split second, your father says, I love you, Ron, and your husband looks at you and smiles at you, knowing that you and your child are going to be safe. Yeah. And then the last thing you see of your husband is him cave his own face in with a mallet. Uh, nope. Nope, nope, nope. Yeah. That is, that is just absolutely tragic. Yeah. But as, because Stephen King is well known for one thing, that's writing amazing books with terrible endings. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I think that's one of the reasons why Shining's my favorite of his, is because the ending's beautiful. Yes. It's fucking beautiful. Yeah, it's not like, here's the story, 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 things happening, plot, 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 and it's, here's the story, here's the story, plot, 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 end. And you leave it and you're like, ah, like when I finished reading it, like I put it down on the bed and I was like looking at the book like. Like you, you like, you want to discuss it. Like, yeah, like I want to have a conversation with this book, like. I'm sorry, can I can I get Stephen King on the line? Yeah. <laughs> There's so many things I need to talk about. Because I, I read it in middle school, and then I, I, Josh, actually, when we first started dating, read it to me. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I was sick with the flu, and I was just loopy and out of it, and he was just like, I'm going to read to you The Shining. <laughs> That's a great feel-better book. Yeah. 
Yeah. Especially read by somebody you were just beginning to date. Right? Oh, that's <laughs> Yeah, make you question some things. Yeah. Okay. In the okay. end, I was like, okay, we've reached this level. All right. And then you married him. And then I yeah. married him. <laughs> if he eventually goes mad, I'm like, the warning signs have just been here. <laughs> I mean, I've already told Connor after I watched after I watched the movie of The Shining, I'm like, sweetie, honey, if you ever go crazy, I'll kill you. And he was like, I expect you to. Thank you. I'm glad yeah. that we're on the same page there. I'm like, I will take you the fuck out. <laughs> Quickly. <laughs> of course, my husband being my husband, he'll go, well, I'll do it first. I'll do it before you can even get a chance. I'll do it first. And I'm Aww. all like, mm, no. Mm. Josh just gets uncomfortable about how many ways I know how to kill people without being detected. Yeah. He'll be like, I love you. Can we stop talking about murdering me in ways I know you can get away with? Because <laughs> there's one thing to be like, I'll take you out with a hammer. And there's another way to be like, I'm not going to say it on the podcast because that's how I get put in jail in 20 years because yeah. it ends up being online. Uh, but this is a way for me to kill you with absolutely zero like, way to trace it back to me. And he'll just kind of look at me in the eyes and be like, Yeah, run. <laughs> my Jack or are you Jack? And I want to look at him and be like, I am definitely Jack. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't a question, sweetheart. If one of us is going to go crazy by a hotel, it's going to be me. I still remember when you were talking about us being like in a haunted place or like possessing and like I think. You said it would get Denise. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, because I was, I was saying I had a dream we were all in, like, some weird haunted place, and our good friend Mandy has just the most cherubic girlfriend. She is a darling. She is Usagi. She is Sailor Moon. Yeah. She is a, she's a human cream puff. Really? Yeah. She literally is a human cream puff. Um, and I had a dream, and Denise, in the dream, ended up being, like, Pazuzu from The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. And Mandy was like, Janice isn't going to get possessed. I'm like, yeah, of course she fucking is. She's like the nicest one about us. Mm. Like, I'm sorry, if I got possessed, who the fuck would notice the difference? And even Denise agreed on this. Yeah, yeah. she's like, Which... she was like, no, honestly, if I went into a haunted house, yeah, it would make the most sense. Yeah, because I remember you had like had this, you had this dream, like, the night of, like, the night before my wedding. No, oh, no, this, the night this, be- this was a uh, night before, like, your engagement party. Or your, no, the like, rehearsal. Fresh- no, this was a little bit before this that. Before, I think it was before the bridal shower. Yeah, it was right before the bridal shower. Well, I no, because I, about it. I feel like, oh, that's right. Because we, we, like, we had yeah. the conversation. I, like, that was like I remember D like responding, but I was like, was it physically responding or was it responding? We had online? a conversation online. about it before the night of your wedding. As that's well. right. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she was like, no, I totally get possessed. That makes sense for me. I touch things I really shouldn't touch. <laughs> and I'm like, see, yeah. Yeah, and then I, I think you were I, saying like you were something. I think you said I'm too logical, and then Ashley was. Oh, I can't remember. Ah, uh, I said you're too logical is stuff. Something I think Mandy made eventually made the joke. She's like, "Well, you can't get possessed, Ella. You don't have a soul." And I was like, "Valid." <laughs> Ouch. I sold it for a Snickers. I really wanted it. Lisa Frank sticker. Snickers. Oh, Snickers. I heard stickers. I was going to say stickers, and too. I was like, I was like if, if you sold it for Frank's Lisa Frank stickers, stickers, then yeah. It's valid. No, it was one of the 90s, like, circle ones that you got out of, like, the 50 set machine that said, like, fuck you. Mm. Oh, yeah, those. The, the ones, ones that, that were, came like, in little, like yeah, yeah, they came in those little cardboard Yeah, it was, it was probably something shittier like that. I was going to say, come on. 
You guys are the fuzzy Lisa Frank stickers. The fuzzy stickers meant something. That mm-hmm. No, it was, a you, hol- it was a holographic black one. All right, that. all right. I said it's something. like an alien on it or something. Yeah, yeah. I think I said uh, it, it won't be Ash because if we go into spooky places, she just hides on me. This is true. I was like, it's not going to happen to Ash because like if we're in some place that's scared, Ash is attached to somebody. Yep. And then I'm like, no, it would be D because like, she would. I'm attached to somebody with like my weapon, just like don't come near me, don't come. D near would me. be the one person that would wander down a dark hallway. Into the basement because she thought she heard a little girl singing a lullaby. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can ask Mandy. We we went and did the Walking Dead experience at uh, Universal. Mm-hmm. I was there with her in April. And I just left them behind. I didn't even look back. I was like, every man for himself. And I just left. And you're like, I'm done. And Mandy was like, Emily, if we're ever in a zombie apocalypse, thanks. And I was like... Every man for himself, man. Like, I, I can't. I can't yeah, I'm about die for you. I love you, but I'm not going to die for you. Well, I'm walking through it, taking like critical points. Hmm. Zombies were to attack this way. Where would be the best place to lay charges? <laughs> I'm aware in the case of a zombie apocalypse, I am not the leader. Oh, no. Josh. Josh is a leader. Yeah. He's a great leader. He's very like headstrong. But he also has, um, what are those called? Human emotions? Oh. Yeah. Where I'll be like, a mother and child come up and they're like, please, we don't have the virus. Josh would be like, all right, we're going to put them in a cage for a week and make sure they don't turn into zombies. And I'd be like, shoot them. <laughs> it's a five-year-old. Shoot her quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think in the zombie apocalypse, I would just put a, build a house on stilts and have a gun. And what do you do when you run out of ammo? No, oh, I'm in survival. No, I'm, I'm in long-term survival. Oh no, 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 no! Oh no, I, I hate people. I don't want to live that long. <laughs> I hate people, but I'm too stubborn to die. That is the most Ella thing I've ever heard <laughs> you say in my entire yep. in the entire time I have known you. Yeah, it is the most you thing I have ever fucking yep. heard. My God. <laughs> oh my God. I hate them. They're not taking me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm just like, alright. I had a good run. Bye guys. <laughs> nope. Nope. Take you all down. <laughs> Take you to hell with me. If I'm going down, I'm going down like C4 vests. I have a, I have like such an image of you taking someone out and they'll be like, I'll see you in hell. And you'll be like, tell them who sent you. <laughs> yes. Yep. I need to write that. Tell them who sent you. Back to The Shining. <laughs> Tangent. Um, so we, we discussed this in our first episode. Now we've come to the end. Um, so let, let's portray this as Kubrick and as Cake. Those are two differences. Cooper mm. and King. Um, if they would have never gone to the Overlook, do you think Jack could have been redeemed? In the King universe? Mm-hmm. Yes. Because I feel like he would have probably, like, had he not gotten the job at the Overlook, yeah, he would have been a, probably would have been like, I'm a failure, I can't get a job, I'm... I suck, mm-hmm. but the way that um, Wendy is, she'd be like, no, honey, it's fine. We'll find you a job. I can sell some paintings for a while. It's 
we'll make we'll make it work. Go to your AA meetings, like keep sane or like you know keep off the alcohol. It's fine. We'll get you a job somewhere else. Yeah. And I'm pr- like I think he would have eventually found something. Found something, and they would have been fine. They yeah. would have just had a motherfucking wizard kid. Yeah. What, what did I call him in one of my notes? Mother, motherfucking wizard kid. No, it's a brain wizard. Brain wizard. Brain, brain wizard. wizard. Motherfucking yes. brain wizard. That's what it was. I was like, I love Wendy being like, we don't split the party y'all, so I have my kid who's a motherfucking brain wizard. <laughs> yeah. So they would have just been like, okay, cool. Our child is a motherfucking brain wizard. That's awesome. Get some of those lotto numbers. Yeah. 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 Uh, and what about with the Kubrick? Kubrick, no. <laughs> Absolutely that fucking no. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. So, All right, Emma. In the King universe, unfortunately, I can't, I can't, I can't get past my own cynicism of Jack and Wendy's marriage, of just they're trying so hard, and it it's like a it'll burn bright and then it'll burn out, and they're staying together for Danny, and realistically, that doesn't usually end well. It's boring. But from a realistic standpoint, I imagine they would stay together for a few more years and then divorce. And do you think Jack would have gone back to the bottle? I think he would have without Danny and Wendy there for him to worry about. So you don't think Jack, do you think at the end something would have happened or Jack would have fallen back and he he wouldn't have been redeemed? So to speak, yes. I feel like he probably would have ended up alone if... If things, if they weren't able to really approach their problems, which was kind of a, an issue even before they went to the Overlook. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Was they weren't willing to broach tender subjects and and talk about things. They didn't communicate very well. Yeah. No. And unfortunately, you know, that leads to a rift, especially in relationships so I imagine if that continued, they would have ended up divorced and he probably would have gone back to the bottle. And who knows after that? He could have, like, had another eye-opening moment with something else. But a different way. But, but different in a different kid. way. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's an entirely different concept. Mm-hmm. And in Kubrick? Oh my god. Are you kidding me? Yeah, right. Well, this is kind of a silly state. In Kubrick, he would have already murdered his family, like, before they even left frickin' Vermont. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like have driven him off a cliff. Exactly. Um, I'm, I'm gonna go with the same thing. I think the Kubrick one, yeah, you're not fixing Nichols. No. I'm, I'm kind of the halfway between with you two. It's <laughs> funny. Um, so I thought about my answer. It's, I feel like there would have been one more thing. I feel like there, there would have been something else. And I feel like they would have left um but in the end i truly truly do believe that jack and wendy loved each other and i think jack hadn't quite hit rock rock bottom yeah and i feel like he would have hit rock bottom but uh the way it's described the fact that they were like college sweethearts and they fell in love i don't think wendy's the type of person to ever fall in love with anyone else ever again no Mm -hmm. And I feel like she would have left Jack, moved somewhere else, and Jack would have had to rebuild himself alone. Yeah. And I feel like for the love of his family, he would have. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
and then eventually they would have gotten back together and it might be like this 10 year love story yeah where you know two years down the line he hits wendy wendy leaves three years later he does this gets a job at a university eventually makes 10 year and then finds her and says like come back home or Or can i take you out to dinner or i feel like he if he lost them he was at such a point where he had in Vermont a support network mm-hmm. that he would have hit a bottom at a certain point that he would have, how hard he didn't want to be his dad. Yeah. He yeah. would have crawled up from. Yeah. Out of pure, I hate people. You're not fucking taking me out. Status mm-hmm. of Jack. You've been like, I hate myself. But I'm going to be better than my fucking dad. Yeah. Or he would have done it out of pure fucking spite. Absolutely. So that's my opinion on it. Okay. Um, Ashy, you also sent us a, a, a quandary. I did. I, I, I gave the girls a little bit of a homework uh, to mull over um, before we recorded our three episode shenanigan. Our long-term shenanigans. Um... So I did. A, I had a conversation after watching the miniseries with. Um, I had a conversation with my husband Chris, who you guys all know from our it extravaganza. <laughs> extravaganza. That it, was a two our and a extravaganza. Half. Oof. Sorry. Yeah. There we go. I, I'll call it our it extravaganza. Extravaganza. I love it. <laughs> um, and I asked him who he would pick if who he would pick in like. Not necessarily a remake of The Shining, because I know we kind of, like, nowadays you couldn't make it, uh, you could not remake with the use of cell phones and all of that. Yeah, you could if you're you that could, far up in the mountains. But yeah. it, just, it still wouldn't work. But, like, if you were to just kind of recast your own yeah. Jack. Yeah, nowadays. Yeah. If you were to just randomly cast your own Jack, who would you cast? Okay. Um, so, he had said Zac Efron. And I I'm not disagreeing because I just saw him in the Bundy thing. Okay. Yeah. But so yeah, I was like, okay, like I was like, why? And so I'm kind of I'm going with his because I was like, yeah, I could kind of like we both kind of agreed on it. So he's a young all American nice boy, you know, like he he's all like nice and sweet, and it would just be very interesting to see him slowly, gradually go completely insane, like. The way the way that Weber does it, not not at all the yeah. way that uh, Nichols does it, but the way Weber does it, where he's slowly getting to go insane and crazy. All right, I can I can dig that. What Is... about you, M? Who would you cast as your your uh, Jack? So this actually was a conversation I had a couple of months ago when my mom was in town. We were having brunch and of course talking about murder <laughs> as you do over as, brunch as, as one does my Wait, mother this, this and my like, sister and i do isn't this not normal in public and is this so, not normal again and so we were talking about the shining and my mother suggested paul rudd to which my sister and i adamantly refused we said no absolutely not do yeah. not do that to our darling wonderful national treasure paul rudd right so, we nixed that, but that was my mother's idea. My sister threw out John Cho, 
Ooh, I'm down for that. And I thought, you know, that could work. That could really work. Because he has that sort of straight man personality. He does. But he can be silly. And the idea of him uh, kind of I losing it. it. I had to look him up. I was like, I like can see the name, but I couldn't Harold put up Kumar, face. Yeah, Harold yeah, Jinkmar. Got it. Yeah. That'd be interesting. So, that was Rachel's idea. It was John Cho. And yours? Mine was Chris Pine. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, those eyes. Mm. Yeah. But Chris Pine going nuts. Mm-hmm. I'm down. Yeah. Like. Uh, so, mine was Ryan Reynolds. Okay. Okay. Because I think, uh, have you guys seen the movie Voices? I haven't, but I did Mm-mm. see Amityville Horror. Yeah. So, Voices, between Voices and Amityville Horror, I was like, he can do that. But also, I feel like he, because of, like, playing characters like Deadpool and stuff like that, he can play characters with a little bit, like, heaviness mm-hmm. in their comedy. Right. So, it's like, I feel like he could do Jack and have that, like, level to him. Mm-hmm. I also casted Wendy, which I just did, and I did her as Amanda Siegfried. Yes! Yeah. I could see that. I, would, I could definitely I would be able see, to that. see that. Yeah. I, I was like, say, I'm, I'm down to see Amanda Siegfried, like, hair up, very, like, especially with those casts nowadays, mm-hmm. that almost, like, boho, basic chick look. Mm, yeah. Uh, kind of more style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I'm going through my head, and I'm thinking about a bunch of different actresses, and I, you know, Amanda Siegfried is really... Yeah, I think she, she could do it. it. So I think she, she's sweet enough, and she's kind enough. And to give that, because, the, like, the thing I always think of, like, the way they describe her in the book is, like, a prom prom queen that's past her prime but still hasn't lost her charm. Yeah. Yeah. And she's a little bit older. She might have a little stomach pudge. Yeah. She's a 30-year-old woman. Like, mm-hmm. I, I have ab lines because, like, I have delts and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I got, I, got, I got my Irish baby pudge. That mm-hmm. ain't going away. It's my body desperately, desperately being, like, we can make a baby. And I'm yeah. like, that's not happening. Yeah. Um, I got that hormone pudge. Yeah, the hormone pudge. But uh, I can see her doing that, and but still looking. Because she's one of those people that is beautiful with or without makeup. And yeah. I feel like that's something you need to have for Wendy, is mm-hmm. you need her to be naturally. Naturally beautiful, yeah. yeah. You, yeah. Can't, you can't Blake Lively that shit. No. Like, no. no. And I feel like if you did that with her, I think I would also just... In her films, like Red, um, Sleeping Beauty, stuff like that, she's really shown an interesting depth. But I don't think I've ever seen her get violent. Ah, uh, Jennifer's body. Mm, I, I mean, violently, like aggressive. Like I'm going to physically try and kill you, and not in a snarky way. Mm, okay. Yeah. But I feel like she has the chops. I just want to see her, like, given the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I feel like. In Jennifer's body, she was kind of very similar in the sort of, like, she was sort of nerdy and kind of, uh, and then had to, like, come out and fight for her life. Yeah. But, yeah. like, take that, but add 15 years to the character. Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. Which, I mean, the Jennifer's body came out, what, 2003? 2007, I think. 2007. So, yeah, we're 12 years later. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, bottom line, she's got the chops for it. Yeah. Yeah. And I but think I don't think she's, she's been given the chance and I'd love to see her be given the chance to take yeah. on like a meaty, meaty, meaty female role. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
All right, let's uh, finish this Halloween extravaganza. I'm sure these people have trick-or-treating to do. Indeed. Uh, let's well, go... they could be listening to the podcast while they're, you know, if they have drive their kid around, they're probably listening to us. Yeah. Sitting on the block, okay, you're go doing there. your thing. I'm going to listen to the If your kid is forward. in the car, we apologize for any curse words. Oh, they... <laughs> I apologize for nothing. Yeah, no, yeah. Our, our listeners... Okay, sorry, the Hufflepuff had to just throw that out yeah. there. Slytherins. By Slytherins. No shit! Fuck, fuck, shit, motherfucking shit, cut, fuck, fuck, this shit, fuck, fuck. I'm so sorry, You are hanging out with me way too much. (laughs) (laughs) Sounded like me. I'm sorry, folks. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, uh, let's finish it up with our badass bitch fucking moment. I think M should go first. Okay, um, in Kubrick... No, we're just gonna just, go. With oh, just in over. general. Okay, because I feel like it's there, there's one good scene from Kubrick. Yeah, and we all know them. Yeah, so yeah. we're all gonna pick so, it. Let's just let's just say in general of the Shining book, Kubrick, book, whatever. Yeah, whatever you want to pick. Um, I will definitely go with when. I mean, there's a lot of good ones with her. I guess the. I feel like this isn't going to be very good, but anyway. It's, it's your favorite. It doesn't yeah. have to yeah. be good. It's a personal favorite. When she when she lays down the line for him, when she straight up says, you mess up one more time when they're in bed. Yeah. After, after he breaks his arm and she says, this happens ever again. I'm gone. Yeah. Like, I had mad respect. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that was my badass bitch moment. Get it. What about you, Ashy? Um... I think my badass bitch moment would be, like, once she figures out that the hotel is what's making him go absolutely batshit mm-hmm. insane, but she's still like, I'm protecting my child. Yeah. If that if I end up having to kill my husband because of this, so be it. But I'm protecting my child. Um, my, mine is very similar. It's, um... She's she's calmed down Jack a little bit um, because I don't I don't feel like Wendy at any point was ever quite willing to kill Jack. Well, yeah, she wouldn't kill him, but I'm like if I it's it's protective. Yeah, but she she's walking through and she hears like pitter patters and laughter, and she has this scene where she like spins around and she's just like, "You're all a bunch of spooks," and she's so. Her husband's going insane. Her kid's not talking. And she is so flippant. Yeah. About, bring it. She's over it. She's like, I'm going to take my yeah. husband. I'm going to take my kid. I'm getting the fuck out of here. You're all a bunch of spooks. You can all try and creep us the fuck out, whatever the hell you want to do. You are not fucking with me. Yeah. And how much strength that has to take. To be, like, aware that you are standing in front of a giant that you are living in. Yeah. So that's such a mom thing. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm aware I'm, like, the angry, pissed-off mom for all my friends. Because <laughs> I'm just that, like, really overprotective Slytherin that's just, mm-hmm. like, I'm going to wrap myself around you mm-hmm. and yell at you and yell at them and yell at you and yell at them. I love you. <laughs> it just... That, her saying that just reminds me of when I was a teenager, a, a homeless guy tried to come at me, and my mom came out, and she goes, 
Leave her alone. You're a goon. <laughs> yeah, it's a shit like that. I can totally imagine your mom saying that too. You're a goon. goon. And like, it's just such a mom situation. Yeah, and, yeah. Because like, they don't want to curse or anything. You're all a bunch of spooks. Yeah. And like, imagine her saying that with like a Midwestern accent. Like, <laughs> You're all a bunch of spooks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, I'm gonna start this on off. So I'm gonna start the scale of one to five okay. for Kubrick. In the miniseries. Because if it's the book, I'm just going to give it 25. Um, Kubrick, I'm going to give four stars. Uh, as, as much as I have problems with it and him, um, I have to look at the final product. I have to. And it was influential, iconic, beautiful, stunning... And will live on long, long after this podcast. Sadly, I gotta give the miniseries three. It's great. It's amazing. It's a made-for-TV's 90s film. We can only do so much. Like The first topiary animals, so creepy. Second topiary animals. You see where the effects stop. Yeah. Um... There, there are just some things that go on too long, and some things that go on too short. I love how they implement the dog, but it's used very quickly. Room 217 is used for really big scares, but isn't really dragged out, where I feel like they could have kept that going all the way to the end. The murders in the penthouse are used for Jack's. So dissolve, but aren't particularly used at the end. Um, I feel like they tried to dive into parts of the book rather than the book as a whole. Which I feel like is why in this podcast we've been like, this scene, this scene, this part, this part. Because it does feel a little bit like a book where you're reading every third chapter. Mm-hmm. But I still fucking love it. <laughs> uh, what about you, Ashy? Um, I think I'm going to give the mini uh, sorry, the Kubrick film a four. Um, mostly for the same reason, just because there are some amazing, beautiful effects in it, like the, for instance, the elevator of blood. Yeah, I mean, we which really didn't get literally into that. took which. So freaky fact. Mm-hmm. This was oh. one. Of my, this is one of the ones I was like, this is a really cool kind of well, not cool fact, but like this is like a. Pretty crazy fact. So, my freaky fact about the elevator mm-hmm. was, so we all know that Kubrick is known for his compulsive and numerous retakes uh, yeah. it, to get the pouring, to get the blood pouring out of the elevator in only three takes. Damn. <laughs> this would have been remarkable if it didn't take nine days to set, to build up the set every single time. So the entire filming, that entire one scene took a full year. Go big or go home, I guess, Stanley. Yeah. All right. (laughs) But, like, you know, there were definitely some beautifully shot scenes in that. The scene with the Grady twins is... is... Yeah. Oh, it's iconic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. What about the miniseries? The miniseries, I'm going to give a three and a half. We're, 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 we're straddling this time. We are. Um, cause I, we have at least one big difference. Yeah. Um, I, 
I fucking loved the miniseries, but I do agree it is dated. It is 90s-tastic. It's kind of how when we were discussing the It miniseries. Yeah. It's great, but it's a TV miniseries. Yeah. You can't can't do too much. Yep. So, yeah, those are those are mine. What about you, Em? What are you going to give these two films? Well, plus the book, which I... Well, we're not really... I just said the book, I just gave it a five immediately. Yeah, I mean, the book, it's a five for me, too. Um, With the Kubrick film, I'm going to probably do a 3.5. Okay. I've already made it very clear. I've got beef. Um, I can't get past it. I'm sorry. Hey, you don't have to. And, you know, as I said earlier, there are definitely some things you can respect about his filmmaking. And some of the choices he made, as long... I mean, some I don't necessarily agree with, but in its own standalone film, it is definitely a scary movie. Yeah. And it gave me the wibblies and the jibblies. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it, it deserves... It's recognition. Credit, credit is given where credit is due there. Mm-hmm. As far as the miniseries, I'm going to be very generous. I'm going to give it a solid four. Ooh. Um, it, there were parts of the miniseries that were almost almost eerily how I pictured it in my mind reading the book. When they're mm. walking through the presidential suite, almost the exact look of that room. I feel that way a lot about the apartment. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the exact look of that room, even just the angles of the, of the shot was how I pictured it in my mind when I read the oh. book. Mm. To the point where I was like, I had to pause and be like, that's creepy. <laughs> like, how did they know? How did I know? So, you know, they're in your head, Em. I know. (laughs) Or I'm thinking, did I watch this at some point and not remember? (laughs) Um, But it definitely, it it satisfied me in a lot of ways, having read the book and having seen the Kubrick one and being disappointed with the Kubrick one. It kind of made up for it for me. Yeah. Yeah. So it's got a special place in my heart. Granted, it was I, the first time I saw it was only <laughs> this last week, but it will, it's a new special place. It's a new special place, and to be honest, I thought the casting was just so on point with uh, the casting was amazing. So that I mean, I just have to I have to give it that that solid four for me. Get it? So yeah. All right, uh, this has been our Halloween three parter. <laughs> we'll be back next week, and uh, Ash, you wanna? Yep. Kill us off at the same time. <laughs> you can always find us on our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, as well, please check out our Patreon. We have amazing award, uh, amazing reward tiers. And we want to make the podcast a lot better for you guys. So please help us out. Alms, alms, Rodilla. <laughs> and then, as always, good, bad, we're the girls with Mike. All right, it's been great having you on, Em. Thank you so much for these three days. Thank you for having me. I uh, just want to give you a last shout-out before we, we're like, oh, we're done. And I'm like, oh, shit, probably should say thank you. <laughs> Are you sitting okay. through us for three and a half fucking hours discussing one goddamn thing? It was an honor, though. I'm I'm <laughs> happy to do this. Well, we're super glad to have you. And uh, like I said, we'll be back next week. Stay tuned.